This is Co-Pilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of the show, but also the second. Some shows just don't have the best pilot episode, and giving it that second chance might just sway your mind. Your energy was really low, but here on Co-Pilots, we take that chance for you and let you know our opinion on if it deserves more than one shot. Sorry, sorry. I, I didn't mean to bring in so much low energy. Give me a moment to have myself up. I got this. I got this. I got this. <clears throat> I'm Justice. Alongside me is my co-pilot, Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this week will be... Cannon Buster. Cannon Busters is an anime from 2019. Now... There's an argument that it's not an anime because the creator is an American, but the studio that, did, that developed it is is a, a Japanese studio. But it is also based off an American comic book. Yeah. But everywhere I see it, it's listed as an anime. What makes this an anime and not Avatar The Last Airbender? People are fucking dumb. And the fact that LeSean Thomas has worked on other anime. Yeah, I didn't mention that. I mentioned his first name a moment ago. LeSean Thomas is the creator of Cannon Busters. He's one, one, he was one of the creators of the comics as well. Um, he's known for a myriad of anime and anime-related works. He worked on Avatar: The Last Airbender. No, Legend, Legend of Korra. My bad. Legend of Korra. Yeah. He did Black Dynamite. Mm-hmm. The Boondocks. Yes. I'm missing some other stuff. I mean, those are just the big things he's been attached to. He's done animation work, I think, for a multitude of other things because he is generally an animator, I believe, and storyboard mm-hmm. artist. I think. Yes. I'm pretty sure he's done storyboard arts for like Bintan and stuff. Yeah, Ben 10 Alien Force, I think. One of them, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, no, he's done a lot of animation work, and he has a lot under his belt, and he's just made some really great shit. So. And this is his 2019 show, Cannon Busters, which originally started as a Kickstarter for, for an anime in 2014. Yeah. And eventually got picked up by Netflix, and now we have an entire season, and maybe a second season coming. People really want a second season. Having only seen these two episodes, I'm on board for a second season. It's easy to say LaShawn Thomas has made a work of art here. Like, Yeah, I mean, he... Before you even dive into the show, Cannon Busters is good. Yeah, give it a watch, definitely. You can find it on Netflix. Yep, so season one, episode one is entitled High Risk, Low Reward. And we open up with panning across the sky. We see it's over the desert, and we see what looks like a broken planet, maybe? broken planetoid of some sort yeah in the... a broken planetoid of some sort and then a smaller planetoid or moon some celestial body so we can tell we're clearly not on earth or at least as we know it we're never told exactly where we are it could be earth but it could be an earth of a different that's reality. why i said as we know it but anyways we zoom out from the sky and we see a desert yes and we see a bug scampering across the ground it's like a bug lizard thing right and we see a lizard scampering across the ground yeah the lizard eats the bug and as the lizard eats the bug, a bigger lizard or a snake pops out of the ground and, yeah, and eats yeah, that lizard. that's what it was. It's a circle of life, dude. And then that snake lizard gets surprised because, it, because there's a giant explosion as the dude gets launched by a giant mech. Yes. And then the giant mech picks him up and asks him about where, where he can find the nearest town. Yeah. It's just this guy covered in some weapons trying to radio out to people. And he's trying to radio back to, uh, assumedly, his friends that... He is on the way. We have no idea who this he is, but well, no, we, we actually we actually get the name because well, initially we don't, and then yeah. he gets dropped, and we see him bleeding and assumedly dying. We're, we are told the nearest town is called Balloon Town, though. Yes, That's and what... as he's like 
death gasping, it seems. He says, Philly the Kid's on his way, and we see a poster for Philly the Kid. He said it your way. He's Philly the Kid. Which is just... Definitely a fucking Trigon reference, and I love it. I'm there for it. 100% a Trigon. It's Crash the Stampede! He's headed your way! Is it here before the OP that we get a shot inside of the mech, and we... Yeah, we, we see him briefly, because before, in my notes, I have Giant Robot. Mm-hmm. Slash mech, because I'm unsure... And then when he's talking to the guy, I then change it to giant mech because it is now confirmed there is a person inside of it. Yeah, because we get the person inside. He's like, man, I hope I'm going to make it to town on time. I really got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Which sets the tone for the show. Yeah. It's not super serious, but man, does it look cool. Anyways, the OP starts. And And the music is fucking on point. It's wonderful. So the OP itself starts with just showing us the main characters, like, like they're prepping themselves, like yeah. to go out, like they have, they're grabbing weapons and putting on their traveling clothes and like getting ready to go. And then it starts showing a bunch of other characters and landscapes, and it's all set to one hell of a song. Like the music in this show is just a vibe all the way yeah. through. The song lyrically has a very tight and great rap flow, but musically it's this flowing jazz piece with a more um a a more fast-paced beat underneath it to keep up with the rapping but it's weird and delightful after the opening you see a sign above a town that says balloon town and i was just confused because i'm pretty sure that's a place in Fortnite, and i don't think this is a Fortnite sponsored show i have no idea i don't know you apparently know more about it than i do I i might be entirely wrong and I don't care. We kind of pan through this town, though. We get a fi- we, to get just a feeling for it. Um, the big things I want to mention here is we have anthros, anthropomorphic animals as people. We see a lizard person and a cat person. I um, just labeled them as aliens because we also see some that don't look particularly like any necessary lizard or cat thing. Or they look alien, but with similar traits to things we could recognize. But yeah, we just get like a, a pan around the town, getting a feel for it. There's a whorehouse. There's these people playing cards. Mm-hmm. And when when one guy loses, he gets upset and draws a gun, and the other three guys draw guns and point at him. No, 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 that's not what happens. Because um, I took a note of this, because it was amusing and confusing at the same time. When he loses, one of the guys goes, I guess you shouldn't have bet your life away. And the other guy stands up, what? And everyone pulls a gun on him. He pulls a gun and points it at himself, and we pan away, and then we hear a bang. Assumingly, he killed himself. He was betting his life, it seems. I don't know what happened. We then see a weapons dealer. They're selling a bunch of like assault rifles and machine guns and prosthetic we- prosthetic weapons and arms. Yes. We then get introduced to Casey, a small robot. Dip, dip. We often see some kids stealing stuff because this oh, yeah. is also oh, necessary yeah. to sorry. another note happening for things in the background I made later. Yes, I'm sorry. I forgot about this one. So, they appear to be stealing like red fruit looking ish things. I don't know. We then but, get introduced yeah. to Casey, who's a small robot, and we get introduced to Sam, yes. an android girl. They're looking for Philly the Kid. We don't know that for sure yet, but that's what they, they're doing. And here, as we see them, a man runs by in the background chasing kids. And I fucking swear, we went back to this several times because we were still taking notes. But I swear, the man in the background chasing the children yells, they're stealing our organs. That is what it sounds like. So Casey and Sam are just wandering through town. Casey's like, got to figure out where we're going. And Sam was like, does that mean we're lost again? And Casey's like, nope, being lost is not knowing where you are. We just don't, don't know, know where we're going. going. <laughs> it's different. C- Casey's being optimistic about what lost means. <laughs> um, so they find themselves outside of a bar called the Hangman's Bar. And Casey freaks out because there's this classic 1950 Mosbetta. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Mosbetta is a real car. But I don't think it, so. It is in the show. 
But she's also upset because it looks like a Cadillac. Yeah, she's upset though because it's all run down and somebody painted it like a hot pink. But she likes the horns in the front. Yeah, because somebody mounted horns on. You know, like um, Doug Dimsdale of the Dimsdale Dimmadone. Wow, his car, you went there. It has horns on the front. I went JBL from wrestling. It's weird that you went to wrestling. That's why I said, wow, that's weird. It is just really weird that you went to wrestling, though, because... Yeah, no, like I said, fucking weird. Anyways. A blue lizard man runs out of the nice little swingy doors for the bar. that Doors that have never made fucking sense ever. Saloon doors are stupid. But he runs out, and Sam looks excited, and then the guy gets shot, falls down the stairs in front of her, and she introduces herself. Yes, and she introduces herself as Sam, the special associate model from Botica, a kingdom that is very far away. Yes, and she wants to ask him a question. And then he dies, and she's like... Yeah, he gasps and dies. She repeats her question, and when he doesn't answer because he's dead, she's like, oh, you must be fatigued. Enjoy your nap. Yes. And then she walks off into the bar. And as she walks off, we... Yeah, she doesn't walk off into the bar yet, sorry. She, she does walk away a bit, and Casey walks over, holding the paper that they were wandering around with, which made me assume at the beginning it was like a map. It's mm-hmm. not. It's a picture of Philly the Kid. Looks at it, looks at the dead body, and it's just like, nope, not him. The They're- man is blatantly not him from far away, but Casey has to compare to a wanted poster. More gunfire, and then three more people were coming out of the bar. Yeah. I think it's also kind of important here to note, though, that the Philly the Kid wanted poster isn't detailed. It's a silhouette of a man with big, poofy hair. And what appear to be tattoos, but they're not detailed tattoos. It's just like swirly symbols to denote that he has tattoos. Mm-hmm. So these three people run out of the bar and Sam ends up going into the bar. The camera pans through the bar and it's just a murder scene. Like there's a bunch of dead people scattered throughout the bar and there's this gang of bounty hunters. And they got a guy cornered at a table mm-hmm. and they hold, they have a Philly the Kid poster and this, they think this guy's Philly the Kid because he's got big hair. Yes. And, and he has some tattoos. The head of these goons, as I've referred to them, um, is this big towering guy with a giant metal arm, a cigar, a weird beard that goes off. No, no, no. A cool beard. No, it's weird. No, no. cool. It's a cool beard. Don't, don't, don't be like hating on his facial hair. It looks great. I mean, it can be weird and cool at the same time. I, I think that's the majority of the show. Weird and cool at the same time. Uh, and... He is holding a gun to the guy's head and, and accusing him of being Philly the Kid. And the guy's just like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm a bounty hunter. Just like, you guys, come on. And then Sam also mistakes him as Philly the Kid. And she, like, slides through this gang of bounty hunters and is like, hi, I'm Sam, the special associate model. Yes, yeah, special associate model from the Kingdom of Botica. And I'm here to ask for your help. I have no interest in the bounty. Over there is my friend Casey Turnbuckle. And we see Casey is... Fixing an old jukebox in the yep. corner. We also learn here that Philly ha- that Philly the kid has a ten million dollar bounty on his head. Yes, and that Sam just recently met Casey as of three days ago. Yep. And as we're dealing with this whole um, mistaken identity situation, a guy with really spiky hair and tattoos walks out of the bathroom. Yes. And one of the goons just blasts him in the chest. He's immediately, like, and he's yeah. like typhoid, who is. The woman of this bounty hunter group. I thought you said that, that, the, that the bar was clear. And she's like, well, I didn't check the men's room. No, I'm no, no. A- the guy's like, why don't you check the bathroom? She's like, why don't you check the guy's bathroom? She's like, I'm, I'm a, a lady. woman? Yeah, I'm a lady. Um, yeah. So they just shot this dude and they're continuing to argue about the fake Philly. And 
uh, we learn here from one of the lackeys, as uh, Sam's continuing to talk to the fake filly and mm-hmm. about how she needs his help because Botica stuff, one of the minion goons has ever heard to them, big guy with metal armor's boss goon, everyone else is a minion goon, says, um, wasn't Botica just, like, destroyed a bit ago? So apparently this entire kingdom she's from was just wiped out rather recently. Yeah, we also learn from the gang... That Philly the Kid is unkillable. Yes. Um, he, he apparently can't be killed. And then the guy they shot in the chest stands up with a giant yep. hole in his chest. Complaining about being shot in the chest. And as he's complaining, we see his giant chest slash torso wound. Just like, really? Someone just took his entire torso, hollowed it out for the most part. We see that hill back up and the number 22 now appears. And he's like, on his chest, yeah. Man, I died again. Yeah. Yep. So every time he dies, he gets he gets a new tattoo and comes back to life. Mm-hmm. So the gang starts shooting at Sam and Philly, and... Well, they don't start shooting at Sam and Philly just yet. The goons look confused, and then Sam is immediately over there introducing herself yet mm-hmm. again. And then they start shooting. Yeah. So Philly pulls her to behind a and wooden collar. She, she's asking him to be her friend, and he grabbed her by the hand, and she she's just holding his hand this entire time throughout this entire gunfight. Mm-hmm. Trying to explain why she needs Philly's help. Yeah, and the moment he grabs her hand, she's like, thank you, and immediately like calls him a friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sam tells Philly that she's on a special quest for the kingdom of Botica, that she needs his help getting to a place called Gara's Keep. Yes. Um, and again, all this exposition is happening while they're getting shot at. Yeah. Um, and-, and as Casey manages to fix the jukebox, so cool music kicks on for the fight scene. Yes. Sam tells Philly that she's looking for Prince Kelby, heir to Botica, and that, she- that he is her best friend. Yes, and as they're continuing to do talk, they get attacked by Typhoid, who has a awesome scorpion tail prosthesis. Yeah, it's fucking insane. And like they're dancing around, dodging the tail. Like it's actually script like scripted as a dance between Sam and Philly. Yes. Well, and then he's like, "Would you let go of my hand?" And she's like, "Not until you accept my friendship." And he's like, "Okay, we'll be friends." And we get a we get a cut inside of her head, and it's this um computer screen and it has a targeting system on it and it says new friend acquired yeah it's it's great um and at the same time this happens typhoid goes to stab them with her tail mm-hmm. and they finally pull apart from each other because she doesn't have to hold his hand anymore because he's her friend yep and as they do typhoid stabs her tail into the just recently fixed jukebox i mean come on that's just rude and she gets electrocuted yep and now they're all hiding now philly and Casey and Sam are hiding behind, I think, the bar. Yes, and Philly gets to meet Casey, who he finds out is a maintenance bot. Yep. So they're still getting shot at. They make their way upstairs with Casey and Sam just clinging onto him. Yes. Casey's holding his leg and Phil- and Sam is once again holding onto his hand. And we get the goon boss yelling at his minions to just kill him again already and tie him up. It shouldn't be too hard. He just died and there are robots hanging off of him. Yep. So Philly's like, hey, Casey, you said you're a maintenance droid, right? And she's like, yeah, something like that. And he, he gives her a coin. And he's like, okay, I, I need you to get to work. And he throws her out the window. Yes. And she lands in that pink car from earlier. Mm-hmm. And she immediately starts complaining that it's dirty and cluttered. Yep. And we also see this jukebox thing next to the steering wheel where she's supposed to put the coin. But we'll get to that in a second. It's because not a jukebox thing. Sorry. A, an it's arcade an arcade machine. cabinet, yeah. baby. My notes say arcade machine, but I was just thinking about the jukebox. Okay, okay. Um, you're fine for now then I guess back inside the bar the gangster's like well if you guys won't take care of Philly I'll do it myself and his arm that had a little cannon hole becomes this giant monster of a cannon I mean just just briefly real quick I'd like to note 
the prosthetics in the show are like really varied because this guy has a giant cannon arm. Wait. There was typhoid with the scorpion tail, and there was a guy here we see briefly before the boss tells him to just add over here to himself, who his legs split into four, so he becomes like spider dude, spidery dude, yeah, but only with six and he, limbs. And he can climb up walls and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it just goes to establish how like technologically advanced the bullshit is. I mean, if you go back to the, the weapons cellar in the cutaway scene. There's like four different types of hand prosthetics. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's a normal hand prosthetic there. There's one that has like barrels for fingers, and there's like a hookshot one, and like there's a ho- there's one with like knives on the back of its hand. Like there's a whole bunch of just different hand prosthetics you can buy <laughs> yeah. for your hand. But um, after the gang after the gangster leader, then what are you calling him? Goon boss. After- Everyone else are goon minions. He is goon boss. Except for typhoid, she has a name. Mid boss. <laughs> so his. He has his giant cannon out now, and he goes, "Die, Philly, the kid!" And then Samus' eyes goes red, and she, she we go, we go back inside her revision thing, and she assesses the gang, the um, goon boss with, with warning, threat detected. And then there's a picture of Philly next to that, and it says, "Newly registered friend's life in mortal danger." Also, Philly is labeled as number seventy-three. Yeah. Defensive militariza- mil- mit- militarization. Militarization. Yeah. Yeah. And then we cut back to Casey in the car. And Casey has taken this quarter, and she sees this nice little classic arcade slot with the orange button, slides it in, and hits a button on the dashboard, which we see four buttons, a white, a yellow, a red, and a blue. Mm-hmm. Classic arcade padmet buttons. When she hits it, the screen lights up for what would assumably be like a navigation screen or backup yeah. camera, that shit we have now. And it says driving mode, and then it switches to raging bull mode. Yes. Back inside the bar, though. And the car turns red. Mm-hmm. Back inside the bar, though, Sam's face has done this weird thing where it's now a cannon. Yeah, jaw drops away, goes cannon, we get flamey red hair, starts floating in Super Saiyan friend mode. And the um, goon boss is like, and the goon boss calls her a cannon buster, but at the same time he's like, no. No, that's impossible. There are no cannon busters. They don't exist. Um, And um, that was the end of the series. Uh, If we were to believe, you know, Cinema Sins, we we just don't get any more ways to roll credits. This is... Sean Thomas's Cannon Busters. It was great for a while, the short period that it lasted. That's our review. And as the gangster, as the goon boss is like freaking out about how Cannon Busters don't exist, Casey Turnbuckle busts through the wall of the bar in a giant Red Bull yes. mech. And it's great. And Philly yells something about Bessie because um, that that's the name of his car. Yes. And Bessie is a fucking tank because this goon boss turns his cannon to her, to her and like unleashes this giant like blast from his arm. Yep. And Bessie's just like lol tanks it and then Casey fucking destroys the entire gang. Like Yeah, and then the building collapses on top of everyone. Yes. Then we get a character card cut. We see Philly and yeah. then it's a commercial cut. Yes. We cut back and Philly and Sam are pulling themselves out of the records of the bar. The only two survivors that we see, besides Casey, who is now in just a normal Bessie. And Sam is trying to convince Philly that he needs to take them with her, mm-hmm. with with him, because he agreed that they were friends. And in fact, he is Sam's 23rd friend this week. Yes. And Sam, Philly also, like, you know, questions Sam about what the fuck that cannon buster thing was, and she has no recollection of it. And then Philly is also telling both Casey and Sam... That they aren't his friends. But as he's trying to make this point clear, three royal troops called Blitz Raiders show up. 
Yes, but just before that, though, we get KC geeking out over the car and about all these things that need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. The bullet holes, it needs a new Gatling gun, it needs refueled, fixed up, handed up. And Philly doesn't really give a shit what the case is saying. He has one important question for though. How did you activate Raging Bull Mode? It takes four quarters, four coins, and I only gave you one. And there's no, there's no valid answer for that. Yeah. But then, then the three royal troopers called Blitz Raiders show up and they're giant mechs. Mm-hmm. And Philly's like, hey, Sam, could you turn your face into a cannon again? And she's like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So all three of them are in, are in Bessie and now they're being chased by Blitz Raiders. Yeah. We get a little more exposition here. Yeah. While this chase is going on. Blitz Raiders are apparently looking for Prince Kelby. They are royal mechs for the Kingdom of Botica. They're looking for Prince Kelby, or so they assume. They don't entirely know. Yeah, they also don't know why they are being chased. They just know that they lost these guys a few days ago in the desert, and now they're back. Yep. So Philly's like, can't you talk to them or something? Well, they managed to get rid of one mech before he has Sam try to Yeah, they, they, swer- they swerve it off and it hits a building or something. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a pole. Yeah. And he- Sam standing up on the back of Bessie and she's like yelling at this Blitz Raider who's right on their tail. She's like, I have already logged your ID numbers and I will be filing a complaint when I find Prince Kelby. And, then- and uh, they shoot at her. And we cut from there briefly back to Hangman's Bar and we see Goon Boss pop his head out of the rubble. And, you know, he just says, you haven't seen the last of me, I'll be back, blah, 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 whatever. You haven't seen the last of me, Philly the Kid, I'll be back. Yeah, there's a bunch of Trigun references in this show, and I, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. It's so good. So they destroyed the first one, like you said, by running into a building or a pole. Yep. And then Philly breaks, hits the brakes on the car while one is, like, right up on his butt. Mm-hmm. And it hits the back of the car, flips over, and, like, tumbles and blows up into a water tower. Yes, it is important here to vaguely note that just before that they turn into like car like things they don't turn into cars but they get done on like all fours and now are rolling yeah more igpx than cars yeah if you don't know igpx fucking watch igpx mm-hmm. and then philly's like i wouldn't be feeling a kid if i didn't have a trick up my sleeve and he opens up the gatling gun on bessie turns around goes it goes to fire and uh, it doesn't work yep it doesn't work and casey's like i told you you need a new gatling gun and philly's like Shut up and find a quarter. <laughs> yeah, so they're all searching through Bessie for quarters. And, you know, your stereotypical main protag from, like, a space western, because it's like every anime space western I see, the main male protag is always vaguely pervy, but they never, like, outright and say it, except for Space Dandy. So, that you know, they come across adult magazines, women's undergarments, blah. Establishing that Philly likes women. They do find a quarter shortly after they exit the town. Mm-hmm. And right before they fall into a giant ravine. Yes. We see them sliding them in, and it appears that they did find four, but when we see them find one. Mm-hmm. And the last one goes in, and Raging Bull Mode doesn't activate. And Casey's just like, it seems one of these quarters might have been counterfeit, after all. So Philly starts slapping the arcade machine console. Yeah, just as the last mech jumps on top of the vehicle. And then it turns into Raging Bull Mode. Mm-hmm. And they throw the Blitz Raider into the ravine. They punch it a few times, then throw it in the ravine. Yeah. And, and it blows up. Mm-hmm. Then they're celebrating at the top of the ravine. When? Oh, no. The very edge crumbles, and they slide down. And I was like, oh, obviously they slide down. This is where the next episode is going to start. Yeah. But, but um, then they the, stop, and they're, they're actually climbing back out of the canyon. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, cool. Cool. That was a good fake. Yeah. And then they fall. Because <laughs> <laughs> the handhold gives away. And we cut to the Indian theme as they're falling into the ravine. We don't Which, actually see them yeah. land. The Indian theme is also fan-fucking-tastic. It, it makes me feel happy. The Indian theme makes me feel good. Yeah. 
So most of the art's still, but it's vaguely more like oil painting-esque. It's not. But. Yeah, it's a bunch of still images. They don't. We don't have a lot of context for them right now. Though one appears to be, assumedly, the creation of Sam. Yes. We also see what looks to be Philly's parents and a young Philly playing with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see who I'm assuming to be Prince Kelby, which I'm later confirmed in the fucking credit, basically, mm-hmm. with his father and some cool night-looking people. And then we see Sam and Kelby together holding hands, sitting and looking out over a kingdom, assuming like Bodica, mm-hmm. proven to be Bodica in the next episode. And we see a locket that has Sam's face and Kelby's face in it. Yeah, but you forgot one of the best, the most important, like, still images of the in- of the ending. Did I? Yeah, it's three still images back to back. First, it's some birds, and then it's Casey, and then it's Casey chasing birds. How'd I know that's where you were going? <laughs> It's the only one that looks like animation because it's moving that picture of Casey along. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, and that is the end of the episode. It is. It is. So what are your thoughts on Canon Buster episode one, high risk, low reward? I think my end of episode one takes aren't fair because the opening theme convinces me that I feel good and that this show is good. But the show is actually insane. It's it's just good. But like typing my notes out after hearing that indie theme, I was like, man, I am so happy. <laughs> the theme is such a vibe. Yeah, both the opening and endings are massive vibes uh, and they're great. The show is insane. It's insane in a good way, though. Like, we don't learn a lot about the world in this first episode. We get introduced to our main characters. We get an idea of the setting. Sam is some type of super weapon, but she doesn't know about it. She's mm-hmm. only, she only wants to be friends with people. and Somehow Philly is immortal. They refer to it as a curse at a point. Yeah. And then Casey's just a maintenance bot who has a love for classic cars and cool technology. Yeah. Like, it's not a lot of information. There's a lot of mechs. There's possibly alien species or just different species for this planet. Yeah. It's not a lot of information, but it's enough to establish character tropes, which is enough to get like rope you into an anime. And honestly, which is just this first episode, I get a lot of, like I said, feelings of Trigun. But there's also hints of, like, Gurren Logan and Space Dandy and Robiachi. If you haven't seen Robiachi, go watch it. I, I think that's the only one I've just named that nobody's heard of. Yeah, um, and then just because main, main character has big poofy hair and is badass, my mind goes Spike because Pace Western, big poofy head character. I will say Cowboy the, Bebop. I will say the bar fight felt like it, it benefited from the type of choreography that Cowboy Bebop gave its fights. Yeah. Because if anything was, like, stand out about Cowboy Bebop other than the music, it's how well those fights are coordinated. Mm-hmm. And, and the, each fight basically has a fucking meaning and is important to the story. Yeah. They don't just fight because they can fight. Yeah. And this fight benefits a lot from that same, like, choreography and stylist mm-hmm. choices. Well, just from, like, the beginning of the show, even actually given to the next episode when we get there. Because it gives me very, very heavy Trigun feels at points. I'm not sure if, like, Philly is a violent criminal. He can clearly handle himself, but at no point in this episode does he, like, actively attack someone besides, like, the first guy. And I'm not even, like, sure if that's on purpose, because he's a man in a giant mech picking up a smaller man. Yeah, and he has to use the bathroom. So. Yeah, but, like, and it's also not even sure if the guy's dead. It just looked like he was we dying. We didn't mention that. the entire Throughout the entire part of the bar fight... There was a running joke of Philly being like, I just wanted to use the bathroom. I guess this is what they do to customers. Yeah, you have to buy something. You have to be a paying customer or something like that. They were really serious about having bathrooms only being for paying customers, weren't they? Yeah, it's a whole running yeah. gag throughout the entire bar fight. And, and that he should uh, ease up on the curry because apparently it cost him his life. Yeah. Yep. But at no point in this fight does he like actively fight back. Yeah, no. He The closest he comes is a Gatling gun against a giant robot. But the Gatling gun doesn't even work. Yeah. 
So the closest he comes is punching a giant robot twice and then throwing it in a ravine. Yeah. Which, you know, we don't know if these robots are piloted or not, but from the way they talk about it, they just seem like they're giant robots. Uh, Casey says that they're programmed to inflict maximum destruction. So that would imply that they're not piloted. So... Because Casey gushes about them throughout the entire chase. She's like, aren't they so cool? They're they're programmed for maximum destruction. Look at them go. And Philly's like, you know, they're trying to maximum destruction us, right? Yeah, so I got some pretty heavy, like, bash characterization there. Like, not fighting, but actually being a badass. Mm -hmm. The animation throughout the entire show is just so smooth and seamless. The worst animation in this episode is the fight early at the end with the Raging Bull. And just the robot. And it's very brief and it's CGI done. And even then, it doesn't look bad. It's just, just like the worst section. And even then, it's still fine. So, that's your episode one take then? Other than the fact that the character design is wonderful and it helps establish the world as unique but still relatable. Cool, cool. That brings us to episode two. Grifter's, Grifter's gonna, gonna grift. I should note that Grifter is capitalized, gonna is not, and then grift is capitalized. Um, yes. I don't know if that matters, but I found it an odd choice in the titling of the episode. But it is all capitalized. Everything is capitalized in the title card during the episode, just not on Netflix's episode listing. Yeah, also not on the Wikipedia. So it, yeah, it's, it's, it's an active choice. It's not Netflix doing it. I mean, it could be Netflix doing it because they're the ones that paid to have this anime made. Anyways, we pick up where episode two left off. Exactly where episode two left off because Philly, Casey, and Sam are now lying in Bessie. Well, allow me to set the scene. Canyon, the bottom of. Still in mech. Alive and fine. Philly's glad that the Blitz Raiders destroyed, though, because he doesn't know if Bessie can handle it now that they just took this fall. Yeah. And then Sam's like, don't worry, more will be coming. And he's like, that is not what I wanted to hear. Yeah. They're having this conversation outside of Bessie while uh, Philly's, like, kicking at the on-fire, burning Blitz Raider. Yep. So then Bessie turns back into a car at some point. And they're all driving away on a road. And Sam will not shut up. Yeah, she she's just talking about how it seems that like they were brought together by luck, and that's so nice and great. I'm not. But program- you know, she doesn't. She's not programmed to believe in luck. But after, the more she experiences it, the more she's coming to believe. And the entire time she's doing this, Casey's like poking around at stuff in the car, mm-hmm. and she pokes at what I assume is a cigarette lighter. Yeah, that was my assumption. And it just gushes fire and almost yeah. sets Philly on fire. Just as she pushes it, Philly's like, "No, no, 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 don't push that!" And fire spews towards his face. Yep. He then. Stops um, the car. And he's like, okay, you guys are getting out right now. Out. You touch too much stuff. She talks too much. We're not friends. Just go. And Sam was like, well, as a friend, I feel obliged to honor your request. And Casey's like, we saved your life twice. This is how you're repaying us. Yeah. And Philly basically is just like, I, I don't care. Go. Leave. So they start to walk away a bit. And he goes to start Bessie back up. And uh, she, she just won't. Bessie will not start. So, at this point, I'm 100% assuming that Bessie is secretly a sentient robot, and that she likes Casey, at least. Yeah. Or Bess- they like Casey, at least. We don't know if Bessie's a girl or a guy. Because Casey was able to make it turn into a raging bull with one coin, and now that Casey's been kicked out, it refuses to start. Yeah. So, immediately, Philly's like, wait, 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 wait. We're friends, right? You guys should help me push Bessie. It's a long way back to town. Yeah. And then when we get the intro. Yep. OP starts. OP is just as good as the second time. Turns out it's just good. Yeah. And then we got back to Philly behind the car trying to push Bessie. So trying because he's just straining and grunting and struggling. Yep. We pan up through the car. Sam is in the back seat kind of just chilling. And Casey is in the front tinkering with stuff. And Casey's just like, why are you pushing? That's not that's not a good idea. I took it out of neutral. And Philly is like, what? Why? 
And then she gets the radio working and she's like, oh, there we go. And he's like, how does that help anything? And she says, I always work better with music. And then, like, immediately, Bessie is running. Yep. So they're back on the road. And Philly's like, what happened to Chatterlock? She seems to be quiet. And Casey's like, she appears to be sleeping. And Philly's, she's a robot? She she sleeps? And Casey's like, yes. And her eyes seem to mimic human eye movements when she's in REM sleep and having dreams. Mm -hmm. And then we cut to a thing. It appears to be a festival. In fact, we see some banners and some people cheering and having a good time. The banners say, New Deal Jubilee. Before that, though, Philly is both shocked and amazed that a robot can sleep, and even more amazed that it can potentially dream. Anyways, we cut to the, the, the thing. Do androids dream of electric sheep? No, they dream of festivals where their entire kingdom got destroyed. Dope. Dope. Warning. Spoiler. <laughs> the entire festival is a flashback, and it's the destruction of the kingdom of Bataka. Yeah, we're in Sam's dream now, mm-hmm. and we're introduced to the festival, celebrating the 50th anniversary of the New Deal. And the liberation of the five kingdoms, plus... Prince Kelvy's birthday. Yes. The king's giving a speech about all of this. His name is King Bulgar. And King Bulgar tries to introduce the crowd to his son because it's his birthday and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So he, he turns to his attendants and we just see a really nervous, terrified looking man. Just like, he, he, he's not here. And then we cut to Sam and Kelby sitting in a tree. K-I- Wait, okay, never mind. That's not right. They apparently <laughs> spend a lot of time in this tree, though. Yeah, literally to the point that Kelby says that it is his, perhaps his best friend. Wait, sorry, besides you, Sam. Yep. Some of this flashback doesn't seem to be as robotic as she is in the present day. In fact, initially, I thought she wasn't a robot at all. Nah, nah, I figured she was. But they're sitting in this tree that appears to be on top of a cliff, mm-hmm. looking out over what appears to be the entire kingdom of Bataka, which appears to be one massive city, then connected to smaller, like, outlying satellites by giant bridges. I don't think it's the entire kingdom, but it's definitely, like... The capital, at the very least. The capital and, like, a bunch of satellite, like, from, suburbs. So, from, like, the way the show is set up, just from what I've seen so far... Given the fact that we have, like, Balloontown, which is a small city, I feel like we probably have, like, major kingdoms and then outline, like, outposts because we literally get something called an outpost and cities mm-hmm. throughout. But the kingdoms are probably, in my assumption, like, massive cities, like, a kingdom. Yeah. Um, from an RPG or something. And while they're in the, talking in the tree, the one big thing that comes up is apparently Bodica conquered magic. And it's somehow related to this New Deal festival. Yeah. So Kelby's talking about how there was chill there and... You know, he's super safe. The kingdom is super safe. In fact, he is so safe because there's a secret stronghold for royals called Gary's Keep that, you know, if anything ever happens, he'll be taken there. He's never been there, but apparently it's super safe. Which is probably why she thinks he's there now. We don't know he is there now, (laughs) but this whole scene is probably why she thinks he's at Gary's Keep. Yeah. Also, we learned that Kelby dislikes his father because his dad runs a kingdom and doesn't have as much time for his family. Yeah, and Sam's and is like, serious? but he's he's such a great king, brave and respected and powerful. And Kelby's like, oh, that must be part of your programming. Yep, so we, we learn that she is still a robot here. But yeah, he kind of just questions her own her beliefs and decisions because they could be part of her programming, which, fair. If you have a robot friend, yeah. fair. And then Sam shows a locket that she made for him for his birthday. It is actually two pendants that form a locket together. Mm-hmm. One has a picture of Kelby. One has a picture of Sam. He gets the one with Sam. She gets the one with Kelby. They're not pictures. They're They're not pictures. They're they're Harry Potter photos. They're GIFs. No, I like mine better. They're magic. We know magic exists. They conquered it. (laughs) They conquered magic. Just to make moving tiny photos. Yeah, so she gives him that locket, and then we cut back to the festival, and there's a giant robot. Yeah, we cut to the streets, to the people. There's some kids running. One falls, loses a balloon. It floats up. 
up into the sky past giant robots. Fa- oh, when did the, the giant mech face get there? But the giant robot has like this long flowing energy hair. It's it's Super Saiyan three Goku energy hair. And then it it starts shooting giant lasers, and like we see the giant laser blow up and like vaporize people. But we don't see that here. We see it fly, and just as it's about to hit something, we hear a bang, and we cut to Sam waking up, and we're back with Philly. Oh, yeah, that's my bad. Yeah, and Philly has some guy at gunpoint talking about how they shouldn't try to ambush him. He's Philly the Kid. And then this guy pops out with what looks more like a shotgun. Philly just immediately shoots him in the hand. Yep, I don't know if he shoots him in the hand or if he shoots him in the gun. There's no blood. So... And the show hasn't been hesitant about blood. But later, we get someone complaining about being shot in the hand. And his hand gets bandaged, and then the guys... No, we don't know if he shot him in the hand. Like, his hand could be being bandaged because of any number of reasons when the gun you're holding is hit by a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, it states, like, a few more times that he got shot in the hand. They might just be exaggerating. Yeah, like... But... But, yeah, Philly Philly doesn't kill either of these guys who were pointing guns at him. Because this older lady walks out, and she's like, don't... Spare my boys, please... You wouldn't you wouldn't shoot an older woman, would you? And she's like, actually, I guess you probably would. My name's Hitch. Mama Hitch. And these mm-hmm. are my boys, Joe Bob and Bob Bob. Mm-hmm. So at this point, there's kind of this awkward tension between Philly and Mama Hitch. And Sam intervenes and introduces herself, Casey, and Philly to the bandits. Mm-hmm. Because they're definitely bandits. We also get introduced to Serena, Mama Hitch's daughter. Yes. And we learn that supposedly... Joe Bob and Bob Bob only attacked him because they got all worked up thinking they were marauders. Yep. Philly, when he's introduced to Serena, goes from being totally against the idea of being involved with these guys Staying at here, all. here, having them fix up their car, hanging out. To being to... completely on board. Yeah. So Serena and Philly go into the bar, which is where Mama Hitch and Serena walked mm-hmm. out of. And Sam, Casey, and Bessie head off with the Bobs. Yes. Joe Bob and Bob Bob. To fix the car. Mm-hmm. And in the bar, Philly is trying to flirt with a lot of unnecessary contact. And it's just overly creepy. Yeah. And Serena gave him a tea and he's like, I'm not much on tea. I was hoping that this is a bar. We, it could be able, we could be drinking something a little more. Yeah. There's actually something that got mentioned here and then actually does come back up later. So my meaningful notes actually matter for once. Oh, okay. Philly, when he's making unnecessary physical contact, grabs her waist where she's wearing a skirt and he compliments the skirt and like how nice it is. I'm like... Well, that's a checkoff skirt. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> a checkoff skirt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not wrong, am I? No, no, you're not. Um, <laughs> so when he talks about how he wishes they could be drinking something a little stronger, she pulls a flask out of her bag mm-hmm. and she's like, I got something. And she pours it just into his cup mm-hmm. and he like downs it all in one go. We see um, he, he's looking at her for a moment and then his nose starts to drip blood. And then he starts coughing blood. Mm-hmm. She poisoned him. Philly dies. Yeah. She mocks him saying she's hoped he's learned a lesson about flirting from that. Well, from being a creep. She... Yeah, for being a creep. Yeah. And so then uh, he, Mama... di- he dies. Mm-hmm. And Mama Hitch shows up and she's, you know, congratulating her daughter on dealing with Philly and tells her to loot his corpse. Yeah. But, you know, Philly's cursed. So yeah. being dead, not such a big deal. But, you know, they don't know this. And, you know, then Serena's just like, well, what about the robots? And Hitch is like, don't worry, the Bobs are taking care of it. And Serena's just like, they're fucking idiots. Yep. So the Bobs are leading the robots to a ditch, but they're telling them they're leading them to a warehouse. And then Casey's like, but I don't see a warehouse anywhere. And Sam's like, you yeah, we actually, we're, we're heading toward nowhere. There's just this giant ditch here. Where are we going? 
And then the Bob shoved shove the robots into the ditch. It's a hole. It just kind of implies more like a valley slash canyon, like a way out. It's just a massive hole. I mean, yeah. And then the Bobs shock the robots with some type of electric shock baton. After congratulating themselves on being brilliant. And this makes the robots go unconscious, which means it's time to go back into Sam's dreams. It's dream time. Woo! Kind of wish we'd gotten into Casey's dreams this time, but Casey apparently doesn't dream. Yeah, Casey's probably just shut down. Sam dreams, though, because Sam is not a robot, or not like a normal robot. Yeah. So, um, we're back, and it turns out the big mech with the flowing Goku SS3 hair has two buddies. It also turns out that when that laser hit that small island that it shot at... It blew it the fuck up. It vaporized everybody. It just, like, whoosh, people are gone. Um, Also, the big robot that we saw has an eye on its chest, Mm -hmm. and the robotica defenses are mostly robots. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and so, they're charging it. And then, then it turns and its eye does this weird thing where it turns red. And it opens. And it kind of looks like the eye on Lino's sword in Thundercats. And then the bots become evil. Yes. We're good. You know, it's it's too soon in this series to know if Botica are good guys or bad guys. So on the balcony with the king, um, Odin, who's the king's protector, um, is telling the king that he can't find the prince. And so the king orders Odin to go find Kelby and protect him, make him his first priority. Odin is like, but I'm, I'm supposed to protect you. And the king's just like, I can fucking protect myself. Go get my kid. Your job is to do what the fuck I tell you to do. While they're having this argument, some man floats up to the balcony where the king is and he tells the king to surrender. At yes. this point, Odin tries to intervene. The king's like, hey, fuck you. I'm the king. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this man is surrounded in... Well, he shows up after blowing a giant like blast of purple energy at them, yeah. knocking them back. And he floats up surrounded by purple energy with a giant fist and g- even gianter eyebrows. And no shoes. Mm-hmm. Also, when the king tells him, hey, I can take care of myself, he also is like, now leave. Go find Kelby. Take him to the keep. Take him to Gara's keep. He doesn't say Gara's keep, assumedly, because yeah. there's this evil man in front of him. And then... Odin goes and finds Sam, mm-hmm. and he find well, he, Odin goes looking for Kelby, and he finds Sam and Kelby sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S, yeah. nope, not, still not. So, um, Sam, we see Kelby and Sam first, and they're just like, what the fuck's going on? And Sam's just like, I gotta get to the king. And then Odin shows up, and he's just like, yo, Kelby, you gotta come with me. And Kelby's just like, no, I'm not gonna come with you. What the fuck? And Odin's like, we're going to, we're going to Gara's keep. You need to come with me now. And Kelby still protests, so Odin's like, fine, I can handle this. Pulls out a sword. Throws it through the branch they're sitting on and catches Kelby. And then takes off on horseback. And so Kelby's reaching out and like, Sam! And then a giant blast hits there where they were sitting and Sam falls. Down into the river or lake or whatever body of water this castle is sitting on. Yeah. And then we come back to the evil man who without his purple aura looks kind of like a monkey but also kind of demonic. I call him Monkey Demon Man from here on in my notes. Uh, I thought he looked like Oranguru from Pokemon fused with Akuma from Street Fighter. I mean, we just said the same thing. <laughs> That's true, actually, yeah. <laughs> Monkey Demon Man. <laughs> Mine has context for people to visualize, though. But Monkey Demon Man is using magic, which surprises the king. And he, the king he, refers to him as a magician. Yeah, because the king thought that the dark arts were gone because he conquered magic. And the guy's like, magic never dies. It is antithetical to death. Yep. The Demon Monkey Man 
proceeds to like telekinesis the king around slapping him into stuff well he does that immediately after like before he's just going on about how you can't be magic and then the king asks who magic man is and the guy's just like you don't know or something like that well, gets angry and then starts smashing well, him around the, with the telepathic king asks things. him what he wants not who oh, he yeah, is yeah. and he's like you really don't know and then like starts smacking him around into stuff mm-hmm. and that's kind of the end of this scene because then sam wakes up Oh, no, hold on, sorry. Sam appears to walk out of the water, wandering about, and we see... I missed, like, a two-sentence line on my notes. That's my bad. Yeah. And as Sam's walking out to go find Kelby, robot moves some trees, sees Sam, it's and a, then... It's a blitzerator. Yes, and then we wake up. Yep. And Sam's just fucking confused because where the, why are they in a hole? Where's everyone at? This What's is going my, on? This is why my, isn't Casey conscious? This is one of my favorite lines from this episode. Sam is confused, and she's looking around, and she's like, Philly... Joe Bob, Bob Bob, I don't know what type of game we're playing, but I'd really appreciate if we could play chess instead. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's great. So from yeah. there, we cut back to Hitch and her family. Yep, the Bobs are talking to Mama Hitch. Mama Hitch is congratulating her, her boys for doing so well and dealing with the robots. And she tells them to start taking apart the car, stripping it for parts. Mm-hmm. And then Mama Hitch and Serena head off to a barn. And inside the barn on hooks are a bunch of skinned corpses. Yep. Here we find out that they both kidnap people, skin people, probably eat them, Mm -hmm. and definitely use them to make clothes. Yeah, because uh, Mama Hitch says Serena deserves a new skirt, perhaps one with numbers on it. And then she hangs Philly up on a hook. It's a fucking Chekhov skirt. I make a fucking joke reference in my notes, and it pans the fuck out. Yeah, so she hangs Philly up on the hook, and... When hanging up on the hook, that's when he dies, dies, because we get a number 23 appearing on his leg. And this is the end of the episode. It's a obvious cliffhanger bait, but... Uh, there is uh, this fun line leading into the next episode, since we know Philly is alive. Mm-hmm. And it's actually when we see the number appear. Yeah. Uh, Mama Hitcher, she's hanging him up, talks about how um, this is what he gets for invading her place and shooting her boys. And one should never let their guard down out here. Yep. This is an obvious cliffhanger, but it works, because I want more right now. This show is so good. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and dive into my episode two takes, and you can fucking wait a second, Justice, because this anime is amazing. I can't wait to watch more. Honestly, it, it was 4 a.m. when we finished watching this, and I was compelled to be like, hey, Justice, we're recording right now. I'm going to go, we're going to record this, and then I'm going to go binge watch this fucking show. We didn't do that because I'm a sane, He's a human, because I'm a sane human being and want sleep. Um, instead, though, this show is so good. The backstory of Sam slash... Sam in all capitals is compelling. I differentiate that because in the subtitles, they differentiate that as well. In present day storyline, her name is S-A-M, Sam, all capital letters. Yes. But in the dream, her name is Sam with a capital S, lowercase A-M. In past, it's a name. In the present, it's an acronym. But I'm interested in what's happening with her, what's going on with Bodica. The second episode basically destroys any connection I felt to Gurren Lagann. Which is fine. But it also still has like a little bit of Robiachi in it and a lot of bit of Trigun in it. And it's so good. It's obviously its own thing. It's drawing from this myriad of other works. Trigun, Robiachi, probably not drawing from Robiachi. Robiachi came out the same year this did. But like the Cowboy Bebops, the Trigun. Space Dandy because literally the guy in charge of mechs was in charge of mech design and robot designs for Space Dandy. But like what we get out of all these like myriad of inspiration is... An obviously original work that is both compelling and interesting on a myriad of different levels. I can't wait to watch episode three because the show just has me hype. Like, I'm super excited for this. It looks great. Yeah, I know. That's basically everything I can say about it as well. Like, Also, the music is just solid. That was the like, one thing I had left to say and I was about to say it and it fucking <laughs> took it from me. 
Mustards? <laughs> yeah. Cannon Mustards is good, isn't it, Justice? Are you upset because I just gushed about this show? The more I think about it, the more Philly is just Vash. Yeah, except um, instead of being a plant person. We don't know he's not a plant person. They're both immortal. They can't die. They're both mysterious wanted men that no one can recognize on site initially most of the time. Vash can die. Philly can probably die too. He's cursed. If you lift the curse, he can probably die. Vash only really dies if you can equivocally reverse his curse that he doesn't actually have, but you have to kill him in one specific manner. I mean, if you just like annihilated all of Vash at once, say with an atom bomb, he'd die. I mean, I would assume that probably works for Philly as well. We don't know that. He's just cursed. Yeah, we don't know that about Vash either until like the very fucking end of the series. <laughs> yeah, so show's good, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And I fucking love Bessie. I'm so excited. I like mechs. I wish I liked Transformers, cause, but Transformers is bad. So they gave me a good Transformer that I'm on board with. You know, one of my favorite things about space shows is how the ship becomes part of the cast. Yes. Like, it's very obvious in, like, Bebop, where the show is named after the ship, in... Robiachi. Robiachi, in... Space Dandy. Space Dandy. What's the one I'm thinking of? That Firefly? Yeah. Like... Firefly... Erica Seven. All of these shows, the ship is part of the cast. It has its own personality and like really any mech from any mecha anime, the mech itself is a character. And Bessie is obviously a character. She's not just a car. She's her own character and I still think she's sentient and it's like it's not a hundred percent. Even like a if canon she's thing. not, she's this really cool looking car that has an arcade interface for some reason that turns into a giant raging bull mech bipedal bull mech some more of a giant raging minotaur but it's fucking awesome you can keep talking that, that's basically all, all i've got fucking like watch cannon busters it's fucking fantastic you know honestly with sean thomas doesn't get enough credit for all the shit he does i was just reading about him in prep for this episode i know we don't typically do that but he is the first american to be brought on board as a full-time member of a south korean animation studio yes which is insane right like yeah no it's fucking amazing and he does kick-ass fucking work but anyways i was honestly just trying to fill time to find out if we had any new itunes reviews to read no we don't nobody likes us i don't Um, like us that said though if you want to leave us a review on itunes we will read it out on the podcast give you a little bit of a shout out even if you leave us a zero or one star review i don't know if you can leave zero stars on itunes i have no idea teach us show us Please don't leave five-star reviews. We'd love you forever. But if a review isn't how you want to contact us and you have something you directly want to tell us, you can reach us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. You can reach us on Twitter at copilotsreview. Or you can find both of those links as well as a link to our Discord at copilotsreview.simplecast.com. That also has a convenient button that takes you to iTunes. You don't have to listen to us from there, but there you can also type in a review despite never having listened on iTunes because, let's face it, Apple's bad. I think the important thing here to know is you don't have to listen on iTunes to review on iTunes. You can just have, as long as you have an account, which you can just make, they're free, you can leave a review. So you could do that. It'd be cool of you. But until then, this was Copilots. It was nice flying with you. Please fly again soon.